welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like capital ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It would mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy. If you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy, you can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. So good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Janie Lacey. I am the CEO of Life Counseling Solutions, 
And as I was recalling yesterday, it's now been 12 years that I've been on this entrepreneur, business owner with payroll journey. And I reflect on all the lessons learned. And I'm a licensed psychotherapist by trade going on 15 years now. And I'm also a consultant. Yesterday had the privilege and the honor to sit on a panel for Black History Month for TD Bank as we talk about money. And it was just really interesting, this conversation around money and Black History Month and our culture and our history and trauma around money. So participated in that discussion to their national auto finance um, department in particular. But most importantly, I am a mom to a nine-year-old boy and he's turning 10 next month. He's gonna be double digits. So just an amazing, amazing journey in life. And I wanna make sure that today, as we are talking about women and just money, that I wanna hear more from you, the women, your experiences. So stay close to your mic because I wanna hear from some of you as well as some of the men on stage. So stay close to your uh, mic. But I wanna talk about one of the profound times in our life that create scripts and that create our belief around money. So I want you all to imagine here for a moment, take a, a journey with me through your own memory lane. Think about your first direct experience or relationship with money in particular. You know, when I think about this, I think about one of my profound memories around my direct relationship with money. It was when I was 14 years old. I remember I started working my first job and I live right now in the Orlando, Florida area, but I grew up in uh, the state of New York, in particular upstate New York, about in the Catskill Mountains, about an hour and a half up north outside of the metropolitan um, New York City area. And I remember my mom had a friend that she was working with and her friend had um, a business, my son's incorporated, right? So she had all sons, but whatever my mom's conversation was her with her at work, I ended up working for her son's incorporated business. So that was my very first job and I was 14. And I remember some of the things that we were doing, I look back were really profound memories. You know, I was doing things like house cleaning and home projects in particular for, it's funny because I'm in Florida now, but for snowbirds that lived in Florida and who would come up to the Catskill mountains to their summer homes and we would clean their houses. I would even paint their decks with the boys and we would mow their lawns. We would pull weeds from their, from their lawns and we would do things like that, you know, whatever our assigned tasks were. But I can clearly, and I want you to think about your own memory. I can clearly remember that rush of that feeling of earning the money from the work that I had completed. Because when I reflect back up until that point, I, was, I grew up typically as a middle child. My, my dad had um, eight, eight daughters. But I kind of grew up as the as the middle child um, among his his daughters. But so I would get hand me downs, and there was very limitation as far as what clothes I can get for school. So I remember when I got that money that I earned from work that I completed. You know, if you were to ask my fourteen year old self, you know, what she felt, she probably she probably didn't know. <laughs> she probably didn't have the words back then. But I certainly do now. So think about your own memory, your first direct relationship with money, because I want to hear from some of you this today. But I have the words now and what I felt was freedom. I felt freedom. I can now buy those kids back then. It was like I wanted kids. Couldn't, parents couldn't get them for me or the clothes that I wanted. Right? 
It was my very first taste of self-sufficiency. I had earned my own money and it felt great. But I now know that that was one of the pivotal or touchstone moments or memories in my life that my money belief was planted in me. So that's why I want you to think about your first memory and your direct relationship with money, not necessarily what you saw, the scripts in your household, but your direct relationship with money. Because whether we realize it or not, it embeds a belief in us. But I'll tell you what that belief was for me in particular, that people should make their own way in this world. <laughs> and I look back, that was embedded in me. And you know, and you know why I know that now. You know, having had the opportunity, as I mentioned, you know, it's now 12 years on this entrepreneur uh, journey that I've had the opportunity. It's different today, but I have had the opportunity where people would want to sponsor different types of things that I was doing. And I remember I used to have an issue with that. <laughs> and when people hear that, it's like, what? Absolutely. Because I had that belief that people should earn their own way in the world, right? That was an embedded belief in me. And having that opportunity to, to earn my own money, you know, I didn't have to deal with the constraints of my parents saying no, that we couldn't afford that, or we can't do that. Because I remember hearing no a lot because we didn't necessarily have the, the money on, in particular. So think about this. We each have conscious and unconscious beliefs around money. And those beliefs inform every aspect of our dealings with money. And that's why we have to become aware because sometimes we can still have patterns that can sabotage all the things and all the abundance that we can have opportunities to walk into, especially women walking into their abundance with, with money. Because when I think about the development of that belief of my 14-year-old self in particular who believed you had to earn your way, you had to earn your way. So imagine now being an adult woman, as I mentioned at times, who was approached with sponsorship opportunities where people wanted to sponsor different types of things, especially in those early days of, of entering into my career. And I would actually turn them down. It's like crazy when I think about it now, but I would turn them down because I felt uncomfortable. Listen to this and make the connection because I felt uncomfortable with receiving money that I didn't earn. Right, so if you understood the context of my story and where that belief was first embedded with earning the money, and I realized that became self-sufficient and that people should earn their way in this world, that my money script, that's what we would call it, money script, I learned was, was when you do your, you do your own work, I actually realized that's actually very common, that when people get that belief that you have to earn your work, so think about your own money script or the things that your direct experience with money. Sometimes people can relate with that experience that when they were a teenager, they first went out and got their job and they were able to earn their way and buy the things and all that stuff. And it kind of take them out of the constraints of their family system or hearing that no all the time. So what do you need to know about your childhood money scripts and how they can affect your financial decisions and your financial future. And I want to hear from some of you this morning, but I want to share a few things first. First, let's define money scripts. So we hear money scripts, we hear money scripts, but from a psychological belief, you know, we believe it is your core beliefs around money. So think about what your core beliefs around money are. And I'm going to give you a couple of things to, to think about if you haven't really defined that yet. 
but these are typically from our unconscious development in our childhood. And for some people, it's passed down from generation to generation within families and culture. You know, as I sat on that panel yesterday for TD Bank, just talking about the sometimes the trauma or the generation of view of money and what that means for for not only certain cultures, but for, for certain family systems. So think about what that meant in your family system. I know in my family system, my dad was always working hard, hard, and I, and I learned the work ethic from him of working hard, but I also saw the poverty mindset, the lack mentality, and that there was never enough. And then when I saw him, my father's no longer alive, but at the end of his life, you know, I look at this man, if I separate myself from him being my father, a man that worked so hard his entire life, and at the end of his life, really had nothing to show for it. So you can understand now, if you know me and you see my life, why I'm so driven to create not only just a, a space of freedom with time, but finances, it's also because there was a drive, right? We're either running from something or running towards something. So for a long time, I was running from that narrative, but now I'm running towards something because you become conscious when you do your work. So your money script makes it difficult. And this is my point here. Our money scripts can make it difficult for some of us to change, or some of you in particular, to change your attitude about money. So you have to understand where it means, what it means to you, where it came from, and what are your direct relationships and experiences around money. Because I want you to consider when money scripts are developed, in particular, as we were talking yesterday in this on this panel, right? Money scripts are developed in response to an emotionally, or consider, I should say, when money scripts are developed in response to some type of emotionally charged, dramatic or traumatic, personal or family or cultural financial flashpoint, such as you know significant losses. Think about it. If you have people in your family that had significant losses during the Great Depression, if that's been part of your your history. Or if you watched your mom because your dad potentially abandoned her or financial bailouts by family members. You know, I know I have to, to have helped family members along the way and also had to have this difficult conversation on the other side to remove me from the list of people that you call. But money scripts can also become resistant, contribute to our resistance to change, even when they're self-destructive. And I'm gonna give you some examples of that. You know, so one of my certifications, I'm a faculty and a consultant for the International Institute of Trauma and Addictive Professionals. So what that means for you is that I train other therapists on how to work in particular with our topic today with women when it comes to sex and relationships. But one of the assessments that we have in my professional field of study and practice is we have an assessment that we use to determine your relationship with money and your money script. And it's called the Mawasi, the Mawasi R, the R is for revised. But the Mawasi stands for the Money and Work Adaptive Style Index. And it was involved in, it was involved in my, in the International Institute of Trauma and Addictive Professional Community out of the initial work of Bonnie Denodon's search to help others with issues surrounding money and, and work in particular. And she utilized theories in attachment, neural marketing, and behavioral economics. And she originally had designed the test with nine subscales. Not going to get all technical with you, but she originally designed it with a test of for, for with nine subscales. 
And a factor analysis revealed that there was actually 12 subskills. And the 12, the 12 subskills that we look at represent the various ways behaviorally and particularly emotionally and cognitively that money and or work has affected an individual's life. And particularly, they show us how the individual has adopted, has adapted his or her life with their feelings and their thoughts and their behaviors around money. And what you'll find in, in our profession when we're working with clients that we typically use this assessment to assist in the assessment of troublesome money, right? There's always a dark side of money, if you've heard me talk about it before, but the troublesome money and work issues, which may indicate the presence of financial and or work addiction, or addiction right? The Mawasi provides a profile. So we look at these profiles of responses, which help to discriminate between addiction and non-addictive behavior. Because do we know that money can be addictive? Absolutely. <laughs> and if you don't know, then don't be in denial. But we look at some of the summary of disturbances in each of the domain of money. Again, this is uh, when we are considering either addictive or destructive ways in which we can have a relationship with money. And we consider things such as gambling or debt or the shop and spin cycle or problematic wealth. Do you understand that some people have what we would consider problematic wealth because they grew up in wealthy families, they feel alone, they feel alone, or some of them actually feel not good enough, especially if they were raised in trust funds. So that's a whole nother uh, conversation of, of a population that we work with, but also money obsession, there's under earning, there's deprivation, there's codependent giving, that people pleasing sense, dysfunctional, relationship of attachment to money, right? That's why we have to understand those money scripts. There's the money aversion and crime, right? These are, I'm always referencing movies, right? Because sometimes there's a little bit of grain of truth in things that we see. And we know that money sometimes is one of the main factors of criminal activity. But we have something when we look at the, the Mawasi, we have this, what's what we call the wheel of pain. Again, I don't have a whole lot of time to explain all of it, but a couple of things that we'll look at in particular when we look at our Mawasi wheel of pain, we're looking at business owners. How do we deal with money and relate to money in our businesses and our mindset? We look at investments. We look at adrenaline jobs. Adrenaline jobs is when we're motivated by the power and control of the position. And then we look at work satisfaction and workaholism. And I just wanna share with you a little bit about two of those. And then I wanna hear from, from you and some of your money scripts, things that you've, your direct experience with money. But workaholism in particular, I wanna share a little bit about that because sometimes we hear that and we can also glorify it. But I can tell you on the other side of it through therapy and counseling in our practice is I wanna give you a different side to that, right? So when we think about workaholism, we're looking at an individual who is in the practice think about this, is in the practice of putting work before themselves as well as their family and their friends. And what happens here is we're usually examining abusive childhood experiences to assert a template is what we call it for those who overwork or on the other side are unable to work, not from a physical standpoint, but again, it's more from a mindset, psychological standpoint. Most workaholics hang with me for a minute, we're actually victims of childhood abuse. Think about this correlation here. And we, and it's what we look at as far as the trauma repetition, which appears to be a reenactment of an abusive situation with themselves perpetrating the, the abuse in particular. There we go. 
So when we're looking at that, this is a condition closely related to what some of you may have heard this term, but it's what we call addiction to chaos. <laughs> Can you be addicted to chaos? Absolutely. And lots of times that comes from that familiar experience in childhood, and it can be in that environment, or it can be driven by money in particular, which is that driving need for that frenetic activity as a means of avoiding feelings and relationships. So when we're engaging in that work-addicted behavior is what we're going to frame it as over a long period of time, it will numb the person to the feelings and the condition of their own physical body and their health and emotionality, or even their spiritual life. So when they're away from work, this person can feel disconnected. They can feel at odds. They can feel lost. So individuals that will come into therapy in particular, they'll report being uncomfortable when they get to the conscious level with the unstructured environment of home. Are you following me? <laughs> so unfortunately, what happens is this trait of hard work masquerades as a positive trait to my point, in many societal cultures and is frequently rewarded, sometimes financially or even emotionally. They can become managers, executives, and they frequently become and become authoritative and create an atmosphere. Listen to this so you can make the connection. They create an atmosphere that encourages disrespect, manipulation, or manipulative ways to get workers to do what they want. It's a power-based behavior and they even will punish, right? This is the passive aggressive stuff, especially if you've been in corporate America, maybe you have some experience, but the passive aggressive nature where you'll punish deviations from the norm. Now you think about that in your own experience. So what happens is this paradox is that their dysfunctional environment that they've actually had from their childhood, remember I made the correlation to addiction to chaos. So they'll recreate that in the workplace, especially if they're in a position of authority or in leadership, because it actually feels safe. Do you hear that double-edged sword? It feels safe, and sometimes people can't see how they're creating dysfunction, competitiveness, manipulation, punitive natures in the work environments because it's what we call trauma repetition. They're bringing that unresolved stuff from their childhood into the work environment, and it becomes very familiar to the work addict. So to recover, Right, these individuals they have to face their attachment. This feels really yucky to say it, but it's true. They have to face their attachment to drama, trauma, and abuse, and be willing to learn how to self. Hey, listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Nurture by establishing a daily plan. These are all the tactics things, especially that we hear in Breakfast with Champions, the tacticals, the structures, all these things that matters when it comes to recovery because it allows for the nurturing that wasn't received in childhood, that structure, that reward, that when you cross something off your list, for example, but I'll, I'll get off of workaholism. I could talk about that all day. But the other big one that we'll see where money can be a driving force from that trauma or dysfunction is gambling. You know, with persons that have an elevated score, when we're looking at our Mawasi on the adaptive style, that subscale, they can experience significant difficulty with preoccupation and worry surrounding 
and it's not always uh, uh, his, it's sometimes her, <laughs> uh, gambling behaviors, you know, feelings of remorse, but that strong urge to continue the behavior despite, this is the hallmark of addiction, despite the losses of family or affecting other people, productive to their productivity or money. And there's such behaviors when you look at gambling in particular, and sometimes this gambling can be not necessarily just rolling dice. It's lots, comes in lots of different forms, but there's some hallmarks of it. They're secretive, they're lying, they neglect their personal and professional life, and they tend to borrow a lot of money to pay off debt, right? That, that good old saying to rob Paul to pay Peter, right? So in regard to money scripts, so get ready, get close to your mics. I want to hear from some of you. But in regard to money scripts, we usually see four main scripts that present themselves with how people deal with money. Again, we're looking at belief systems. And many of you may have heard, there's one of the certifications that I do with my premarital couples, and it's called Prepare and Rich, if you haven't heard of it. But Prepare and Rich is basically, it's a customized couple assessment that's completed online that identifies a couple's strengths and growth areas. So it comes, we, we look at 10 categories that... Um, when couples can hit all these 10 categories more on the strength area, it's setting them up for success. It's a very widely used program for premarital counseling and premarital education. But the four main scripts that we look at, and I say the word, it's um, very, it's, you'll understand what it means, but the four main scripts that we examine when we're looking in couples is, is the meaning, the meaning that they assign to money. And there's four meanings. Money is viewed as status. Money is viewed as security. Money is viewed as enjoyment. And lastly, money is viewed as control. All right, so I'm going to stop right there. And I want to hear from you. I'm going to go um, another 20 minutes before I turn it back over to, to Glenn. So let's hear from you. I want you to think about or know what's true about your money script that you've taken from your childhood or perhaps even your view about money now. So go ahead and flash your mic and I'm going to look for this stage and I'm going to start with, I see Janice, a J A N N I C E. Let's start with you. Good morning. Wow. What an incredible conversation. I'm loving it. And I can really see for me growing up, with a lot of dysfunction that we talk about the inner drugstore and you talk about it, you know, being addicted to excitement and drama. And I mean, that played out for most of my life and it didn't just play out in my relationships. It also played out in my money stories. So I've been through periods of having a lot of money and, you know, great jobs and all of that. And then the opposite is true where literally I'm homeless. I've got nowhere to go. I've got no money because it's that same thing. So for me, I have had to do so much work on that in a drugstore, the um, getting rid of that addiction to excitement and drama and getting to that place where money can be all things to me you know it can be status but that's the least important for me uh it can be security but more today it's about enjoyment and what enjoyment can i bring to other people and i do not use money for control and i have been in a relationship where it was used for control and it was probably my worst relationship so you know it's such an incredible journey 
fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Janice, for sharing. You know, what I heard is that you've done the work, you've got to a place of consciousness around your own habits around money and how it can be addictive and how it can be sabotaging. So great share, and I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to um, go to, let's see, I see Dale, then we'll go to Dale Iffy and then uh, Stephen McCall. So we'll go in that order. So take it away, Dale. Hello, my good legends. What an absolutely amazing conversation for me. When I was growing up, I had such a negative mindset towards money. I really did. And I'm just going to focus this conversation towards those that had it and my comparison to them. So for me personally, what helped me is not being jealous. So I just want, I don't want to take up too much of the mic time, but not being jealous of people that have money. So now I celebrate people that make money because I know the value that they're going to give in the world because money is just abundance. Money is just a just understanding that you are and have and seek abundance there's more of it in the world now than there ever will be or ever was if we look at the nfts and the um the blockchain space it's absolutely abundant it really really is so for me i celebrate now and in january i had my best ever month that i never knew i was going to get living my passion which is coaching kids confidence and helping them become um, incredible young legacy leaders. I made exactly eleven thousand five hundred and twenty-five pounds and seventy-five p, and that's the most I've ever earned. And when I when that came through the door, I burst into tears and I treated my family because I sorted out my negative beliefs around money. So let's celebrate it and let's move forward and not be jealous. Back to you, Dr. Jenny. You absolute legend. Absolutely great share, Dale. And, you know, I think that's exactly what I was sharing in my own journey is taking that negative view of that lack and then looking at it from an abundant standpoint. And then also, you know, I think it's important to say is that we do all the things to get there and not um, all the dysfunctional things that um, sometimes I meet people into um, the therapy practice of doing things to try to hack and shortcut and hurt people in the process. So I appreciate hearing your voice and appreciate hearing you share. Thank, thank you for being here at the breakfast table. So we're gonna go to Ify, um, Stephen McCall, and then Renee. Oh, amazing. What a great segment um, made me think. And I suppose my contribution is I thought about my mum. My mum always used to say, money burns a hole in your pocket. And I remember that's my first, that's my money script. My mum used to always say, money will burn a hole in your pocket, meaning that whenever I got money, I just wanted to spend it. And then when I looked into it as I got older, there's a thing called Parkinson law that basically um, it says that you your expenses rise with your income. So the more money you earn, the more money you spend. And that's something that I, you know, struggled with like my whole life. Every time I got a big job, I just I'd want to spend it, but not just on myself just giving 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 and it wasn't until 2014 I met um this millionaire and I said to him you know what's the secrets to money he was like it's not what you earn it's what you keep and that's when I started to understand that it's about when you earn the money because as a child whenever I earn money I'd be like who can I go and buy sweets for who can I go and buy this for and I always had that mentality of even in in my adult life when I got money and I was like right I'm treating everyone I'm doing this I'm doing that but then when I understood that it's what you keep not what you earn and then started to listen to Brian Tracy's 21 um, secrets they're a self-made millionaire and one of the chapters he talks about paying yourself first and giving yourself 10% before you give anybody any money 
And um, that was really hard to give 10% and live on 90%. Um, it just seemed impossible when we first got into the idea. So we, so we did just 1%. And then over the years, we increased it to two, three. Now, now we put away 25%. And, you know, just to put away 1% and live on the 99% um, was a real shift for me because I was so used to the, the script when if he gets money, money burns a hole in her pocket. And even now, because I pay myself first 25% and I put it in a pot called the FFF, which is the Financial Freedom Fund, that money goes in there, which means I do spend all the money I've got, but I've already put the money away. And I realized that that was, a, that was something, I must have been like it for, from a child. And just hearing my mum's voice saying, money burns a hole in your pocket and it's kind of what i lived up to so I, I love the conversation i love the idea of your money script and i'm just thinking about all the times in my life where i've been paid or and i've got the money and i've the first thought is oh what can i buy um but i've found a hack which is just paying myself first before i pay anyone and knowing that that money there is in my financial freedom pot and then I spend everything else that's in the bank. And that's just how I've managed to get my mind around it. So uh, thank you for letting me share, um, Dr. Janie, back to you. Thank you so much, Ify. You know, you remind me, and I think everyone here at the breakfast table can also be reminded of some of the things that we literally heard uh, from our childhood. And I was thinking about money doesn't grow on trees, right? I'm sure I'm not the only one that heard that. But a couple of uh, things that you said that I want to reiterate, and you talked about paying yourself first. So I think about the book Profit First and really having that that mindset of also putting, I also think about it in terms of just life, putting that oxygen mask on you and taking care of you so that you could better take care of everyone else. And then uh, you're, you're, um, you had also said not, it's not what you earn, it's what you keep, right? So some wisdom uh, drops in there for, for all of us to, to highlight. So I'm going to go to uh, Stephen, Renee, and then Elliot, and then Abby. Hey, good morning, Dr. Janie and Breakfast with Ch uh, Great morning to be here, and I've learned a lot today, Dr. Janie, and it really is eye-opening uh, because my one of my mentors has been encouraging me and helping me uh, to level up and prepare to be an entrepreneur full-time, but I've had a lot of resistance over the past uh, year. And now I realize after you uh, encouraged us about the different uh, statuses of money, uh, the money, um, when I grew up, I looked at money as status because my father was an entrepreneur and some months he had an abundance and other months uh, he did not, even though I didn't learn that until later in life. Uh, and then when my parents divorced, I learned uh, that we didn't have a lot of money because my mother was now a single mother and we struggled all the way until I joined the military. So I grew up uh, with the mind frame or my money script was uh, money brings you status because we had all the nice cars and nice homes until the divorce. So what I did was I decided to join the military. And when I joined the military, the military trains you to have security and not to take risk. And uh, in the past few months, I've once again, resisted this being an uh, entrepreneur full-time. I, I have a, a, a little company. However, to take that step and to become full-time, there's been a lot of resistance and I've been trying to figure out where is that resistance coming from? And I have not shared it with my mentor or anybody. I said, oh yes, I'm going to be a, a full-time entrepreneur in 2023 and we're going to do this. Let's crush it. Let's level up. But there's been that resistance and I did not know about the different money scripts. So it really opened my eyes and it's been life-changing because now I see because I grew up 
with the money script and money status and then join the military, I've had job security for 22, 23 to 23 years. I have a paycheck every two weeks. It's a steady paycheck. I will always pay my mortgage with my job because I work for the government. However, I need to change my mind frame about that. And now I see I've been resisting being a full-time entrepreneur because of my experience as a child leading to adulthood in the government and the military. So thank you for this session. This has been amazing. Uh, back over to you. Amazing share, Stephen. So many different nuggets, but you have a clear understanding of how your meaning of money had changed through your life, starting with the status with your family and then security with the military. And not only do you work for the government, you work for the Congress. <laughs> this for, let's just be clear at the breakfast table, the first black scientist analyst for Congress. So amazing, amazing uh, share. And we always appreciate you being at the breakfast table and all the, all the wisdom and experience that you bring. So thank you for that. And uh, let's go to Renee, Elliot, and then Abby. And then um, if you continue want to share, just go ahead and flash your mic and I will look for your mic. So go ahead and take it away, Renee. Thank you, Dr. Janie. It's such a wonderful segment. And um, it's always great hearing your voice as well. You know, my relationship, you know, as a child growing up, we didn't have those annual family meetings about money. Mm -hmm. um, we were more like that regular family. Dad worked, mom didn't work. She, of course, she took care of the family. So we had more love for life lessons when it came down to just family and love. So going through my life, as a you know, child going into college and then also an adult, I had to have those learning lessons, sometimes even the hard way. And I'm sure some of us can relate to that as well. You know, then eventually I got into the whole workforce, um, working with two banks and still, I'll be honest, we really didn't have enough clarity in order to understand how to grow and multiply our funds. So what I did do, you know, I invested. I, not only did I invest in myself, but I also took the time to invest in my daughter. So therefore we can learn more about the market, you know, from the foreign exchange market, as well as the cryptocurrency market. You know, one of the things I was realizing after I was reaching a level of success, it was just getting to a point where it was just getting boring. And I love being able to see, you know, just looking out into the world, how money was really affecting others. So I wanted to have that attraction to it. So therefore we can do more things with it. Right. So therefore that's where that investing of that time came into place. And I'm very grateful to be able to say, especially when it comes down to ladies, because when we're in a family, when we're in marriages, sometimes we allow the men to manage the money. And why we are always sort of like the second or the third person to understand how money matters and how money really makes a difference. Yeah, you know, so instead of us, you know, just waiting for the opportunity to learn after, I started learning it first. And I now my daughter, who's soon to be graduated from college, she understands. She has a cryptocurrency account. She's ready to get into her NFTs. And I'm so proud of being able to be in that space to empower more women to gain that power in that under in and understanding how money really works from e-commerce websites, cryptocurrencies, as well as just allowing the money to work overnight while you're sleeping. So I appreciate this segment, Dr. Lacey, and it's always wonderful having you here. I'm Renee, and I'm satisfied. Thank you. Thank you so much, Renee. It's always lovely to hear your voice, and you know, you 
uh, said a couple things that about how, kind of pull out some of the highlights so that we can hear from Elliot, Abby, and then uh, Tony the Tiger. But I have this, I don't know who said it, it's not my saying, but I have this saying that came to mind as you were talking and someone had said it, maybe it was here at the breakfast table, but uh, when we learn, we earn, and when we earn, we can create greater impact. And that was the summary of what I was also hearing you say when you talk about education. And then when we're learning, then we have the potential to earn more because we understand how money works, which then in turn, we can have greater impact. So thank you so much, Renee, for all that you do and for being at the breakfast table each morning. Appreciate you. So let's go to Elliot and then Abby and then Tony the Tiger. Amazing. What a great room. What a fascinating conversation and hearing everything. Good to see you here, Dr. Janie, as well, and everybody else, friends and family on Clubhouse. Uh, don't always speak up in this room, so, uh, so thank you for giving me the space. I always like to put a different twist on things, as many people know. So it's not always about the success, but it's about the painful lessons that have been learnt. Uh, and I always look back and reflect on times that I've done well and times that I haven't. So I can only speak from my experience, and it's not theoretical. When I, when I look at um, times when I've been struggling or I've made wrong decisions or let's say ill-fated decisions because of inclarity, because of the lack of direction, because of the fact I'm reacting on outside influences, whether it be something that's pushing me financially and I'm chasing the money, whether it's the fact that I have to make a very quick decision because of a situation I've put myself in. All of that comes to inclarity or clar that clarity that just isn't there. And when it comes to the time when I've been really clear and things have worked really well, I can honestly tell you that there has been no focus on the money. There has been no focus on the outcome of what I'm doing. The only focus has been on the position I'm putting myself in and the action I need to take. And of course, the byproduct of that often is success and money. So the financial freedom I feel, and this is from my experience, when I have had those most successful years, when I have felt a little more financially free, not millions in the bank, not all of that stuff, because it comes with pressures still, but where there has been that, it's because I've been clear about what I'm doing. It's been, I've been in the right path, I've been doing the right things, and I've been getting the right outcome. And the minute that's changed and I've suddenly started focusing on the money because I've not wanted more money or there's been something else I would want, it's where the focus has disappeared. The clarity is gone and the wrong decisions get made. The wrong gut instincts you choose, you choose against the wrong things. And that is where the painful lessons start getting learned. So all I can tell you is from my experience is don't focus on the money. Don't focus on the outcome of what you're doing, but focus on what you've got to do today tomorrow for the next week maybe the next month and possibly the next year but keep it close keep it focused on what you're doing because if you keep pushing you keep doing those things the money will come thank you so much elliot such wisdom in there looking at wow. focusing on today your position and then taking the right actions when you are focusing on today which leads to success which leads to financial freedom. And then you mentioned of being having clarity, being clear and being focused. So thank you so much for sharing. We certainly appreciate your wisdom here at the breakfast table. So we're gonna go to uh, Abby, Tony the Tiger, and then Coach Kim, and then I'm going to turn it over to the lovely Amelia. So go ahead and take it away, Abby. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be amongst um, all the Americans and the, the, at the American uh, breakfast table. So thank you for the opportunity for me to talk this morning. Um, just going on from what Elliot was saying actually about clarity. 
he being the clarity coach and all that, he, he speaks my language as regards to being clear on your focus. My main, as I'm a numbers person, I'm a bookkeeper. Um, the first thing I actually do with a lot of my clients is to go through a personal survival budget. Actually knowing what you're spending your money on um, is one thing that you, you, you know, we all sometimes forget about the subscriptions that we, we've signed up for and they're coming out of our bank account and we're not even sure what it was for. So it's actually being quite clear on what we're actually spending our money on first. Um, and then from that, for business owners, you know, they need, they need to be able to fund their, their personal life. Um, that's the whole, sometimes the whole point in, in some of us, not everyone, but, you know, we want to have that financial freedom personally to have the lifestyle, to, to treat our family, to have that freedom. Um, so a personal survival budget is always where I first start with. Um, and then that leads into the business. What does the business need then to do in order to be able to provide us with that kind of income? And it's actually being right and clear and getting clarity, being proactive. And obviously that gives relief at the end of the day. And that is CPR. That's what I call the CPR in everyone's um, financial, in their business, giving CPR, giving you a second chance in order to be able to get clarity, uh, be proactive and uh, to get relief. So yeah, if you haven't looked, and I know it's a scary thing, if you haven't looked at what you're spending your money on, I would really strongly recommend you do that so you can start crossing off some bits, get rid of all the, the crap that you don't need anymore and actually be really aligned. Then whatever income that you do have, have you? if, if anyone's never read it, read Profit First. That's a really good starting point and a guideline to knowing where to change your mindset about how you deal with the money. Like if he was saying earlier about, you know, burning, burning a hole in your pocket, if you get money, you know, that mindset obviously is changing if you start putting things in place. So there's a few little bits of uh, recommendations there that I would strongly recommend that any new business owner, if you've just started out and you're thinking, crikey, I need, I need this income to survive, do a personal survival budget first, then move into the business and then be clear on the direction where you're going to find out where you can actually then get the income into your personal life. That's me done. Thank you so much for the opportunity and I hand the mic back. Thank you so much, Abby, for sharing the resources and breaking down some tactical and practical ways of looking at it. You know, you reminded me yesterday when I sat on that panel for uh, TD Bank that um, there was a comment made that sometimes people know more about the number when they step on the scale, which deals with their weight, than they understand the number in their bank account. <laughs> So as you were talking, it reminded me is really knowing the numbers and why that number is there and what got you there so that you also understand where you need to go. So great, great share. Thank you and appreciate you being here at the breakfast table. So we're going to go to Tony the Tiger, then Coach Kim, and then we're going to turn it over to Amelia. So go ahead, Tony the Tiger. Good morning, Dr. Jeannie, and good morning, everyone. So great to be here. Um, you got me a little choked up, I got to say. Um, thinking about if, if you look back at your life and you think about significant moments of things that like moments that you like vividly remember conversations that really made a big impact in your life. And I was thinking about uh, when I was probably 11 or 12 and my mom said, oh, I'm going to get a little choked up saying this, but my mom said, uh, your dad doesn't care enough to pay child support, you know? <laughs> and uh, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, these emotions come up, but uh 
then, so I grew up thinking like, well, I'm never going to talk to my kids about money because my mom would always talk about money to me and it was stress. And then I'd go off every other weekend with my dad and he wouldn't talk about money and it was fun and I didn't have to worry about adult stuff. So fast forward, uh, you know, as you get older and I was thinking about moments when I was on welfare uh, with the kids and I I took out my food stamp card and the manager at the grocery store looked at me differently. And that was a motivator to get me six months later, I got off welfare and got my shit together. Um, and now, and then I, I was dating a millionaire. Um, and I remember him saying to me, Tony, you're never going to have to worry about money again. And whew, that was like, you know, as a mom that was on welfare and now I found this guy that was so nice and, and he said, I don't have to worry about money again. And then that relationship was over. I remember that moment as well. Um, but now as a life coach, I help people to like simplify their life, to multiply their income and their happiness. And I study NLP techniques um, about tying emotion and language into your beliefs. And um, I just realized that like I, now I anchor in that feeling of when I asked somebody for a lot of money for coaching services and they said yes. And now I'm starting to see money as more exciting and anchoring in positivity to money instead of negativity, which is what I had uh, not only in my childhood, but you can have those moments, you know, in your 20s and your 30s as well. So that's all I wanted to share. Thank you so much for having this conversation and letting me uh, share my, my feelings and my ideas. Absolutely. We certainly appreciate you, Tony, because money is emotional and you just took us on an emotional journey just thinking about and people can relate to that in a sense of when there was such a lack, right? There's fear and there's shame. And then when you had gotten to a place where you can relax a little bit, there's excitement and all these different, we take an emotional journey along with our money journey. And a lot of times that does go start back from our money script or from the different types of situations that we've witnessed as, as, uh, as children and on our own journey. So money is definitely not necessarily always about finance, but it's about emotions. And um, so we appreciate you, you sharing that. So going to go ahead and turn it over to Coach Kim and then uh, Mary Lynn, and then we'll turn it over to Amelia. And I'm sure she's going to add some fire to this conversation. So go ahead, uh, take it away, Coach Kim. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Jamie Lacey. I am Coach Kim, everyone. And the relationship that I was brought up in with money was this place of having, having everything, not needing anything, going to the store every day or every other day, going to shop and picking things up. But I was living in a, a palace of pain. And so when I grew up, I thought about how ugly money was and how no matter how much money you have, if you don't have integrity and if you don't have character and if you don't have um, the audacious um, tenacity of truth, right? Then you're going to hurt, harm and calls malice to everyone that's involved in your life, whether or not you are a business owner, whether or not you work in corporate um, America, or whether or not you are just a wife or a husband of wealth. 
And so I began my own journey of making money, creating space for myself, standing up for what I said I wanted um, and what my value was and not taking less because I knew my intellect and the power of the gifts that I have and what that brought to different corporations and not moving unless they signed the dotted line according to my numbers and then going into shifting corporate cultures today using emotional intelligence. And the reason why I picked up uh, the idea that you can be in a field that you make all types of money is because I even married a person who worked in finances. And so we would be able to see millions of dollars on clients and a hundred thousand heirs. And yet if there was one week or two weeks of no money exchange, then they would turn into these ugly people. And so for me, it became very apparent that if money controls you, then money controls everything about you and it will squish out all of the good in you if you are not emotionally adept. And so with that, I just wanted to say that I have been able to um, create a money mindset, not only for myself and my family, that no money, because it looked frivolous to me, character was everything. But no, money answers all things. And the way that you choose to get money shows your character. I'll rest my mic there. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much, uh, Coach Kim. And, and you, you, you just mic dropped right there, right? So how we handle money, how we're driven by money, what our beliefs are about money, how we walk on people around money reveals our character. And you started off by talking about that palace of pain and a very, very powerful position to be in as a woman who's educated, who's emotionally secure and sound in her emotional intelligence and not being controlled by money and having a money mindset was the recap that I would want to uh, highlight. So we appreciate you. And we're gonna close it out with Mary Lynn and then we're gonna turn it over to Amelia. So go ahead and take it away, Mary Lynn. We'd love to hear your voice. Uh, Well, thank you. Good morning. I just am so thankful for the money talks this month because, and especially today, the ladies, you know, um, I grew up in a very confusing situation. Um, my mother divorced single going to school. We lived with my grandparents, um, who had money. And then when she, we moved out, we were in subsidized housing as a, a, she was a nurse. So I went to a private school and had all these glorious clothes, but at home we had no money and like ate bread. And so I got very conflicting messages. My mother just didn't talk about it. My grandfather flaunted it and my grandmother squandered it. So I have grown up so confused. And even I, you know, as I'm coming into my own, you know, adulthood, I was confused. I ignored it, squandered it and flaunted it. And then now I get mixed messages, you know, Dave Ramsey, save it, Grant Cardone, get credit. So this has really helped me this month get a more, a grip on kind of what sits right in my soul and really how I want to handle things going forward. So um, I just appreciate the space in the room and just being able to voice that and, you know, admit that out loud even helps me. So thank you for the space, Dr. Janie, and I appreciate this room. 
Well, we certainly appreciate hearing your voice, Marilyn, and sharing your experience. You know, as you're talking, I was thinking about, I may not necessarily be saying it correctly, but you know, one of Oprah Winfrey's quotes, she talks about money's worth nothing if it can't buy us the opportunity to love more. So certainly appreciate you and continue to dive deep and understand your money scripts and your belief around money so you can be so you can break the chains and truly walk in a place of abundance. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.